This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on insurance. I am a lawyer, presently retired from the practice of law, and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant, an insurance claims expert witness, author, and producer of these videos. Today it's time to speak about a Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal decision called Gebara versus Allstate Insurance Company, which in 2001 established a defense of genuine dispute to any allegation of the tort of bad faith. The opinion of the court was delivered by D.W. Nelson, circuit judge, and was submitted on October 7, 1999, and issued on January 12, 2001. The opinion follows. The issue this case presents is whether the district court violated California law in dismissing appellate Lana Guevara's bad faith claims because there were genuine issues as to coverage. Gibara argued that the genuine issue rule should be limited to disputes over contractual language and California insurance law. We hold that the district court did not err in applying the genuine issue rule in this case, and we affirm. Factual background. On May 17, 1995, Lana Gabara's house burned down. The one-story house in Nyland, California was appraised at $35,000 as of April 7, 1995. Gabara was attempting to sell the house, although it needed considerable electrical and structural work, in which she owed a 50% interest. The house was insured by Allstate under a deluxe homeowner's insurance policy, which contains a fraud and concealment provision that says, This policy is void if it was obtained by misrepresentation, fraud, or concealment of material facts, or if you intentionally conceal or misrepresent any material fact or circumstance before or after loss. If it is determined that this policy is void, all premiums paid will be returned to you since there has been no coverage under this policy. Gebara contacted Allstate on the day of the fire, which killed four of her dogs and destroyed most of her belongings. Allstate immediately advanced Gebara $3,000 for living expenses. A week after the fire, Allstate referred her claim to its Special Investigations Unit because independent fire investigators believed that Gabara had overstated the quantity and value of her personal property allegedly destroyed by the fire. Investigators also continued to probe the cause of the blaze. On May 18, 1995, the day after the fire, Allstate's claims adjuster, Joel Alba, interviewed Gebara. When Alba asked Gebara about appliances at the house at the time of the fire, she mentioned a washer, dryer, refrigerator, and stove. 
Alba also asked her about television and stereo equipment. Question, okay, what about the, do you have any TVs or anything like that? Answer, I had a console TV. Question, any stereo systems or anything like that? No, I had an antique dresser that was about a hundred years old. Question, okay, and any other electronic equipment or appliances that I did not major appliances? Answer, oh, a microwave. Four days later, Gabara and her daughter, Karen Dixon, provided Allstate with a formal list of personal property destroyed by the fire. The list was several pages long and contained items valued at $18,000, including a stereo, a VCR, $350 worth of video cassettes, and $1,000 of camping equipment. Allstate's investigators returned to the scene of the fire on May 25, 1995, with Gebara's list in hand. Dave Johnson, an independent fire investigator hired by Allstate, inspected every room of the house along with the Nyland Fire Department's chief, Mike Alkisik, and Captain Lynn Mara. Johnson found remains of about only 20% of the items on Gibara's list and found no trace of the following. VCR, one of the ceiling fans, stereo, cassette deck, turntable, pressure cooker, luggage, jewelry boxes, camping equipment, coin collection, Kirby vacuum cleaner, electric broom, rug shampooer, headboards, singer sewing machine, nightstand, video cassettes, video games, Polaroid camera, 35-millimeter camera, first aid kits, crock pots, or crystal glass, Johnson's report filed with Allstate in late May indicated that most of these items, if they were in the house at the time of the fire, should have left some type of residue. On May 25, 1995, Dixon called Allstate in order to express concern about the fire department taking additional pictures of the home. Dixon informed Alba that she and a friend had gone through the house and moved debris around while trying to identify damaged items. Dixon did not mention that she had removed anything from the scene. On May 26, 1999, Gabara's sister and co-owner of the property, Sharon Jensen, informed Allstate that Gabara was in the process of taking a $28,000 loan on the property in order to repair the house and to repay Jensen. That same day, Allstate referred the case to its Special Investigations Unit and informed Dixon that the investigation would be completed in 30 days. The Nyland Fire Department was still investigating the fire's cause. On June 5, 1995, Allstate informed Gabara that no further payment would be made until the investigation was completed. On June 21, 1995, Allstate confronted Gabara with inconsistencies between the contents list and the expert's investigation. During an examination under oath, Gabara was asked why she had not mentioned anything about a stereo or VCR during her initial invest interview, 
and why fire investigators did not find remnants of these items. Gibara eventually withdrew the VCR from the contents list, explaining that Dixon had removed it from the house in 1994. Gibara never mentioned that Dixon and Dixon's friend had removed any items from the house after the fire. Gibara claimed that the missing contents burned up in the heat of the fire. On July 17, 1995, Gibara's attorney notified Allstate that Dixon had removed some items from the house during a scavenger hunt following the fire. On September 8, 1995, Allstate took the statements of Dixon and her friend Suska Brandon. They stated that they had rummaged through the remains of the house on May 20 and 21, 1995. Dixon said that she found non-salvable items such as the sewing machine, describing them as blobs. She said that she removed the items in order to show her children what fire could do so they would not play with matches. Dixon said that she took the items in three garbage bags back to their motel, but she threw them away because they smelled bad. Gibara later testified that Dixon's children were at the house during the scavenger hunt. Dixon eventually added to her transcript that she removed the items in order to help her mother cope with the loss. Brandon said Dixon had made a list of the items that they found. Dixon, however, testified she did not make a list. On October 23, 1995, Dixon requested a copy of the audio tape of her recorded statement. Upon being asked to review, correct, and sign her transcript, Dixon claimed that her transcript did not reflect her actual interview. Allstate mailed Dixon and Brandon their audio tapes on November 20, 1995. Allstate again inquired on February 14, 1996, why Dixon and Brandon had not signed and corrected the transcripts. Two weeks later, Allstate's counsel received signed copies of the transcripts. On March 4, 1996, the co-owners of the house accepted Allstate's $17,500 offer for one-half of the actual cash value of the structure. On April 3, 1996, Allstate sent Gabara a letter stating it was not conducting an arson investigation. Yet Allstate indicated it was continuing to investigate Gabara's contents claim. The opinions of Allstate's independent experts contradicted Dixon's and Brandon's explanation about the missing items. Johnson said that he had been at the site on three different days and saw no signs that anyone had been rummaging through the debris. On April 12, 1996, Johnson issued a report after reviewing all of the testimony from Gabara, the fire chiefs, and Gabara's witnesses. Johnson concluded that the physical evidence did not support Gibara's claims of loss. Uh, Mrs. Ms. Dixon stated that on May 20 and 21, she, her mother, Mrs. Gibara, and Ms. Brandon visited the fire scene. During the visits, they went through rubble in an attempt to find salvageable items. 
Ms. Dixon described most of the items in vague terms, that is, blobs, melted plastic, torched, etc. It is difficult to understand how the untrained eye of Ms. Dixon was able to identify so many items. The investigator visited the scene on three occasions, May 18, 20, and 25, 1995. There were no significant changes in the fire scene between May 18 and 25 visits. If any salvageable items remained in the house, they would have been small items in areas that would have been protected, that is, in the lower portion of the dresser drawers and cabinets, under linens, etc. In order to retrieve these items, considerable excavation would have been required. There was no evidence of that having occurred. Chief Alex Sick confirmed Johnson's conclusions that there were no signs of excavation. Although Alex Sick concluded that the fire started on the kitchen stove, he stated no exact conclusions regarding his suspicion of arson. On June 7, 1996, Allstate received a letter from Gabara's attorney indicating that he had been dismissed from the case. The letter also informed Allstate of other witnesses who had seen the items before they were allegedly lost in the fire. Allstate subsequently interviewed these witnesses. On June 25, 1996, Gibara informed Allstate that she had rehired her attorney, and on September 6, 1996, Allstate sent Gabara a letter denying her contents claims on the grounds of misrepresentation as to the personal property allegedly destroyed in the fire. In September 1996, Gabara served Allstate with a lawsuit alleging eight causes of action, including breach of contract and breach of the implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing. On April 21, 1997, Allstate moved for summary judgment on all claims except breach of contract. On June 3, 1997, the district court granted Allstate's motion, including the bad faith claim with regard to the contents, but excluding the bad faith claim with regard to the structure. In dismissing the bad faith claim with regard to the contents, the district court said, quote, in the instant case, Allstate presents considerable evidence to support its contention that there was a genuine issue as its duty to, to pay. Plaintiff benefits for her content claim under the policy, close quote. After granting Allstate's motion for reconsideration, the district court also granted Allstate's summary judgment motion on the bad faith claim with regard to the structure. The district court concluded that a genuine issue existed about the structure claim given the fraud and concealment language in the policy and the majority rule, though under-addressed in California, that a material misrepresentation about a personal property claim may void a claim about the structure. The district court denied Gibera's motion for reconsideration about bad faith as to the contents claim. The district court was unpersuaded by Gibera's new evidence, which included a deposition from Chief Alexic acknowledging some of the items had been found. 
Photographs of the debris taken in June 1995. Personal photographs taken well before the fire and debris found by Gabara's attorney in a dumpster on her property two years after the fire. The district court, however, granted Gabara's pretrial motion excluding any evidence of arson, finding that Allstate had waived the affirmative defense because it denied it was conducting an arson investigation. On September 30, 1997, a jury found breach of contract and awarded Gabara $34,924. The district court did not award any attorney's fees. Judgment was entered in Gabara's favor on January 12, 1998. Gabara timely appealed the district court's dismissal of her bad faith claims. Allstate cross-appealed the district court's order excluding evidence of arson and the court's instructions regarding the jury's calculation of damages. In its statement of law, the court talked about the genuine issue as to the insurer's liability, where it stated that in order to establish a breach of the implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing under California law, a plaintiff must show one benefits due under the policy were withheld, two, the reason for withholding benefits was unreasonable or without proper cause. The key to a bad faith claim is whether or not the insurer's denial of coverage was reasonable. Under California law, a bad faith claim can be dismissed on summary judgment if the defendant can show that there was a genuine dispute as to coverage. A court can conclude as a matter of law that an insurer's denial of a claim is not unreasonable so long as there existed a genuine issue as to the insurer's liability. An insurer is liable for breach of the implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing if it acted unreasonably in denying coverage. Gabara argued that the genuine issue as to coverage rule, also known as the genuine dispute doctrine, should not be applied to allegations of a biased investigation. Rather, the rule should be limited to when there is a dispute over the meaning of a contractual provision or unsettled California law. The dissent refashioned Gabara's claim to an argument that the genuine issue as to coverage rule should be limited to disputes that are quintessentially legal but not applied to disputes that are quintessentially factual. Although California law governs our resolution of this case, the California Supreme Court has not discussed the scope of the genuine issue rule. Our task is to surmise how the state Supreme Court could decide the issue. The holding in recent California appeals court decision though not controlling, are instructive. The genuine dispute doctrine may be applied where the insurer denies a claim based on the opinions of experts, citing to a case called Fraley v. Allstate. Fraley, which affirmed a summary judgment order in the insurer's favor, involved a dispute over the cost to repair the insured's home that was extensively damaged by fire. Contractors for both parties could not agree on the cost of repair. 
freely held, quote, where the parties rely on expert opinions, even a substantial disparity in estimates for the scope and cost of repairs does not by itself suggest the insurer acted in bad faith. Furthermore, an insurer may give its own interest consideration equal to that it gives the interests of its insureds. The Ninth Circuit has affirmed the dismissal of bad faith claims in numerous cases over the past 17 years because of genuine issues about liability under California law. No Ninth Circuit case, however, has limited the genuine issue as to coverage rule to legal disputes. Lower federal courts have applied the rule to quintessentially factual disputes or where information revealed by the insurer's independent experts is inconsistent with an insured's claim. Given the current state of California's insurance law, the state appeals court's recent decision in Fraley and the decisions of this court and other federal courts, we decline to limit the genuine dispute doctrine to purely legal or contractual disputes. Rather than establish a bright-line rule, we hold that the genuine dispute doctrine should be applied on a case-by-case basis. In some cases, the application of the rule to purely factual disputes will be inappropriate. In others, investigation by a defendant's independent experts will permit the invocation of the doctrine and summary judgment for the defendant on a bad faith claim. In this case, all states experts question the validity of Gabera's contents list from the outset. Gabera initially submitted an $18,000 contents list. The list contradicted Gabara's initial interview with Allstate's claims adjuster. Three independent investigators subsequently searched every room in the house and found only 20% of the items on the list. Although some of the items were eventually accounted for, even treating the evidence most favorably to Gabara, None of the big-ticket items, such as the stereo, the television, the Polaroid, and 35-millimeter cameras or the camping equipment, was ever found. From Gabara and her family, Allstate received inconsistent explanations about the missing contents. Gabara's daughter, Sharon Dixon, initially informed Allstate she had rummaged through the debris, but she did not mention that anything had been removed. Gabara testified during her EUO that the missing contents were lost in the heat of the fire. A month later, Dixon claimed to have removed some of the non-salvageable items from the scene in order to show her children. Dixon later claimed that she had removed the items in order to show Gabara. Yet both Dixon's children and Gabara were at the scene when Dixon allegedly removed the items which were never recovered. Johnson's final report, issued April 21, 1996, found no evidence that anyone had rummaged through the scene. Alex Sick and Mara of the Nylon Fire Department corroborated Johnson's report. In addition to the three expert opinions and Gabara's inconsistent explanations, Allstate learned of Gabara's extreme financial hardship her house was recently appraised at $35,000, declining in value from 75000 
and it needed substantial electrical and structural repairs. Gabara had put the house up for sale, and she had taken out a $28,000 loan on the house. Allstate had legitimate bases for disputing Gabara's contents claim. This was not a case where Allstate was simply unwilling to pay off the policy. It paid the co-owners of the house $17,500 based on half of the value of the structure. This case is directly in line with Fraley. In all of these cases, the insurance companies disputed insurance claims based on opinions of independent experts. As in Fraley and in this case, Allstate relied on three expert opinions and other suspicious factors, including Gabara's inconsistent explanations to deny insurance claims and benefits. Thus, we find that Allstate's refusal to pay Gabara's claim was reasonable. Gabara's real problem with Allstate's investigation is not that it was biased, but that it took too long. Bad faith, according to the dissent, was based on the insurer's unreasonable delay. Part of the delay can be blamed on Gabara's witnesses. Allstate probably should have denied Gabara's claim in May instead of interviewing more witnesses at Gabara's request in June. Allstate also probably should have denied Gabara's claim in July or August before Gabara filed her lawsuit in September. At best, by not denying Gabara's claim during the summer of 1996 instead of in September, Allstate was merely negligent. And under California law, negligence is not bad faith. If anything, Allstate is guilty of investigating too much. But if Allstate had terminated its investigation immediately after interviewing Dixon and Brandon in October, it could have exposed itself to bad faith liability for not investigating enough. Under California law, an insurer may breach the covenant of good faith and fair dealing when it fails to properly investigate its insurance claim. The case demonstrates why the dissent's suggestion that we limit the genuine dispute doctrine to purely legal issues is just unworkable. The genuine dispute in this case was not purely factual. The genuine dispute as to the contents claim was based on factual evidence. Three expert opinions, inconsistent testimony by Gabar and her witnesses, and desperate financial circumstances. The genuine dispute as to the structure claim, however, was based on the fraud language in the policy and on an unsettled issue in California insurance law. Thus, the dissent's bright-line rule fails to account for cases such as this one. If any bright-line rules are to be drawn about the genuine dispute doctrine, we leave that task for the California Supreme Court. We hold that the district court did not err in granting summary judgment on Gabara's bad faith claims based on the Genuine Dispute Doctrine. The Genuine Dispute Doctrine is not limited to purely legal disputes. It should be applied on a case-by-case -case basis, and in this case, 
the insurer's three independent experts and the insurer's inconsistent explanations justified the invocation of the genuine dispute doctrine. This video was based on the full decision of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal that is included in my book, The Insurance Examination Under Oath, Second Edition. It is not a complete reading of the entire case, but it provides you with the information needed to understand the genuine dispute doctrine. If you found this video to be useful, please refer it to your colleagues. It's free. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel and to my blog so you can learn about future videos and future blog posts. If you'd like to read the full decision, you'll have to buy the book or look it up on the internet, which uh, would provide the full decision. It is a leading case on the genuine dispute doctrine. Thank you for your attention.